Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 189. Today is our August book club episode and we are talking about Bali Core Jazz Walls Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows. Before we get started, I just want to remind you that we have an active social media community, especially on Instagram, and we invite you to become a part of that. So each of our different initiatives has a community on Instagram. So we have one for the unabridged ambassadors. We have one for our reading challenge. And every month we host a book club and a buddy read chat. So there will be a chat about today's book in August. So check out at unabridged pod if you would like to join. All right, we're going to start today's episode with our bookish check-in. Sarah, what are you reading? So my bookish check-in is going to be very short today because I just read the first few pages of this book, but I am so excited. It's one of my most anticipated reads for 2021. I just started reading Taylor Jenkins Reads Malibu Rising, and it's no secret on the podcast that she is one of my go-to authors. I have loved everything of hers I've read, and this one is set in the 80s at a party with famous people. And so all of that is right up my alley. But again, like I said, it is, I'm very, very early on in the book, but it has already just grabbed me and I cannot wait to find out how this story unfurls. And I have seen it all over Instagram. And I think that it's going to be one of the best books of the year. So I'm excited to just dig in and read the whole thing. I cannot wait to read that. Oh my goodness. Same. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes. I just am so excited to read. I know that once I start, it's going to be really hard for me to put it down. So that's also really awesome to know that uh-huh. that's ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Ashley, what are you reading? So one of the things I'm reading right now, I'm actually listening to this, thanks to Libro FM, is On Juneteenth by Annette Gordon-Reed. This is a memoir. It functions moving through a series of essays, and she is exploring the history of Juneteenth and our country's pathway toward its celebration. Gordon Reed herself is from Texas, where the holiday originated and where the end of slavery occurred. So on June 19th in 1865, Major General Gordon Granger announced the end of legalized slavery in the state. And so that happened in Texas. And I love right at the beginning, she talks about how at first she actually felt a little bit territorial about the holiday and how, like a lot of Texans, she had this ownership over it as a Texan event and then came to understand how important it was for our national history and for the reworking of our understandings over the foundation of our country. So it is just absolutely fascinating. I have just listened to, you know, the first part of it. And so I still have quite a ways to go, but I've already learned a lot. I love her exploration of the history of Texas and the 
myths and legends and kind of folklore surrounding what is and is not promoted in the image of Texas and in the image of the American West. And I just find all of that really fascinating. So, and this is a great one also to listen to on audio. It is fascinating to hear it read and I just can't wait to get back to it. I think that she does a great job too of showing the connections between her own life and her life experiences and then the broader cultural framework. So again, that is Annette Gordon-Reed on Juneteenth and I am loving it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. It's great. And it's it's short too on audio, which sometimes <laughs> is, you know, you can fit it in there between other reads. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. What about you, Jen? What are you reading? So I am reading Julia Quinn's It's In His Kiss. This is the seventh Bridgerton novel. I have been placing these on hold at the library and just sort of reading them casually. I, I got Bridgerton fever back when the adaptation was out and I had read the first two books already, but had not read the other. So each of the Bridgerton books focuses on a different one of the siblings and every sibling they're named alphabetically. So the oldest sibling is Anthony. The second sibling is Benedict and they go in order through the alphabet, which is just a funny thing. And this one focuses on Hyacinth, who is 22. She's the youngest daughter. And she was actually born after the death of the, their father, which was a huge tragedy for the family. He was a wonderful man. And so she has grown up knowing that she's the only Bridgerton who didn't know their father at all. But it's this huge loving family. Hyacinth is pretty eccentric for the time. So she's 22, which at that point is considered, she's almost off the shelf. She should have been married by then. And her family's sort of trying to push her to get married, but they've also sort of given up hope. And she is extremely outspoken. She has absolutely no filter which in British society at the time is not acceptable. One thing that she does is every Tuesday, she goes and reads to Lady Danbury, who is an elderly lady who also has no filter, but is very well respected because she married into, it's not royalty, but like the upper echelons of British society. Lady Danbury's grandson is Gareth St. Clair. And he is the male protagonist of the story. He was the younger brother. There were two brothers and that was it. He was the younger brother and his father basically hates him. And Gareth finds out early in the book that his dad hates him because he does not think that he's actually his son. He thinks his wife had an affair. And basically he took care of him because that was a respectable thing to do. But he is really, really horrible to Gareth. So Gareth had basically cut off all relationship with his dad. And then Gareth's older brother died and Gareth unexpectedly became the heir, which of course makes his father angry because he essentially hates his son. So it's a romance. So you know that Gareth and Hyacinth eventually are going to end up together. But I really like these books because I like that sense of family. I've talked before about how nice it can be to see characters from previous books returning. And so you see some of Hyacinth's siblings coming back. At this point, Lady Bridgerton is a well-known character in the series. And yeah, it's, it's a great historical romance. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, I really am interested in that series. I think, yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know if I would enjoy it, but I like the idea of it. 
Yeah. I don't know that you would enjoy it either, Ashley, to be honest. <laughs> the things that you like about romances that you've read, I don't know that you would find in this series. So, Well, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> but you should watch the adaptation. The adaptation's fun. There I you go. I don't know that you would like the books as much. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to get started with our book club book. So to start things off, I'm going to read a brief synopsis. Bali Kaur Jaswal's erotic stories for Punjabi widows is a combination of several genres, a coming of age story, an examination of a Punjabi community in London, a feminist story, a mystery and a celebration of sex. It centers on what seems to be a simple writing class taught by Nikki in an effort to find a meaningful profession and set up by Corvinder in an attempt to bring services for women to the Sikh Community Association. That simple class, though, takes off, becoming the center of the widow's creativity as they craft erotic stories and share their experiences with Nikki and with each other. All right. Well, we're going to start with our overall impressions. Ashley, what did you think of this one? So I was really interested as I got into it to see how the story evolved. I did not expect some of what we will definitely dig into. But as you laid out in the summary, Jen, there is a lot going on and different threads of the story that come together. But I was interested to see how the erotic part came along (laughs) since it's in the title. I wanted to know what that was going to mean. And then when the writing class starts, I did not expect it to actually turn into erotic stories, to be honest. And so that (laughs) that was really fascinating. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that Jaswal does a great job of exploring the cultural attitudes that affect individual lives and the ways that those can be positive but can also be negative. And I think that she does a great job of it, of looking at what it means to be an immigrant and what it means to be the child of an immigrant and how those things can create these cultural conflicts that are really hard to navigate. So I thought all of that was really fascinating. And then I loved the part that celebrated sex and that I, like I said, I didn't expect that of the stories, but I was quite shocked, honestly, when <laughs> when they got into them because once the writing class started and it was going to be a literacy class and it was clear they didn't know how to read and write, I did not expect it to come around to where it did. And what an interesting surprise and something that I just thought was really beautiful to show that people are complex and that what we see on face value is not all that there is to these widows who we see so much as a group and ha- and sort of as a stereotype and to really see something deep about them, I thought was really fascinating. All right, Sarah, what is your overall impression? Yeah, I cr- agree with a lot of what Ashley said. Well, all of what Ashley said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I thought that it was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. I had, a, I guess in my mind, because of the title, I had a certain expectation about what, what the book would involve. And I did not anticipate the mystery that was in the book. And I also was surprised at the way that the erotic stories part unfurled. But I really thought the relationship that the women grew to have together was really beautiful. And I I love books that center on female relationships and supporting each other. And I thought that that was really interesting the way that that all came together. I will say that I had the book with me at different times and I definitely got some side eye from my husband who was, he said, what are you reading? And and also (laughs) my son was like, why does that say erotic? And I was like... Um, it's not what it seems like, even though it's 
pretty much was what it seems like. But so anyway, that was a kind of a fun thing to, to have to try to explain to my family. But otherwise, I thought it was a really interesting story. And I, like, like I said, I thought the relationship between the women was just great. And I loved seeing that unfold. What about you, Jen? Yeah, I, I could just say ditto, but I, I will add a little bit. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. For some reason, based on what I'd seen on Bookstagram, I was anticipating that this would, despite the title, be really solemn literary fiction. And I love literary fiction, but sometimes it's a little more work to read it. And so I was pleasantly surprised when I started reading and did not want to put it down. I thought it was very readable. I thought it was such great storytelling. And because of all those genres and the way they're blended together, there was a lot of forward propulsion through the narrative. I wanted to find out what was going to happen next. I like the alternation between Nikki's point of view and Corvinder's point of view. I thought that worked really well. And I did want to just say this. So I was looking just as background for the podcast. I watched an interview with the author and she was talking about how much she loves small communities and wanted to celebrate that, but also that she wanted to highlight the shame and taboos and censorship that small communities can, like they keep propagating that within the community. And I thought this book did that really well. I, I love when I hear an author's intention and it matches my impression of the book, because I did get that sense that, wow, this community has some strengths, but it also explores that element of control that some groups are trying to exert on other groups. So I loved it. And again, I did not want to put it down. I felt like it was such a great, such great storytelling. Yeah, I did find it very readable. I wanted to know what was going to happen. I agree. So Sarah, what is one thing that worked for you? Well, I feel like it, I kind of talked about it in, in my overall impressions, but I really thought that the way that the relationship developed, especially between Nikki and then the people that the women that were attending her course, I really thought that that relationship was very authentic. I thought that I really understood the women's, initial distrust of Nikki and her having to earn their trust. And I just really love that. That was my favorite part of the book is when they were all together. I thought there were some really funny parts and when the, and the fact that the women were so enthusiastic about writing these erotic stories, I just thought it was all very endearing. I love the relationships they built together and the trust they had between each other and how they ultimately accepted Nikki and they wanted to be this support for her when she was going through her difficult time. So I just, I, that was the, my favorite part of the story. Yeah, I love that too. Oh my gosh, that image of them photocopying the erotic stories and then spreading them throughout London. I thought was hilarious. That was great. Uh, Ashley, what's one thing that really worked for you? Yeah, I love that part too, Sarah. But something else that I also really enjoyed was how things developed between Nikki and Corvender. I did not enjoy at first Corvinder's part of the story in relationship to Nikki's because we as readers really empathize with Nikki and early on feel a lot of connection to her. And then in a lot of ways in the beginning, Corvinder is her antagonist, you know, and she is a formidable 
barrier and and is intimidating and cold. And so I just loved the way that we come to understand her and see what she has been through and what she continues to go through and how strong she is and how she is able to not only survive but succeed in a community where something so terrible and tragic has occurred and for her and in a community where not only did this horrible thing happen but also as we come to find out it was a murder and her daughter was killed and as she tried to explore that that everyone turned against her and so i just think it's so rich to see all the damage that was done by the community and yet how we come to love her and how she comes to have a love for Nikki. And so I just thought all of that was so beautiful and unexpected for me. So yeah, I really liked all of that. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was, that's actually going to lead into what worked for me. So I'll just go ahead and jump into that (laughs) nice, graceful segue there. But I thought so many parts of the book were so elevated and there were definitely, I would say some villains in the story But I also thought that even though a lot of it was kind of like a soap opera, if you look at our culture, it's also told with such nuance. And so I think that's a great example of that. I think at the beginning of the story, Nikki sees her relationship with her parents and with her sister in such stark terms. And then she comes to understand that what she thought was very simple is actually much more complex. And I I just think throughout the book, every situation that initially seems very black and white, you start to see those shades of gray and you, and that Jaswell does a great job of helping us to understand the motivation behind some things that initially seem really stark. Again, I do think there are villains, there are characters who make really bad decisions and are really ugly to other people. But I think for the most part, we come to understand most of the characters. Right. So each of us now is going to share just one quotation. This is always tough. But (laughs) Ashley, what's a quotation that you'd like to discuss? So one of the ones I loved connects to what I said about Corvinder and Nikki. And this is toward the end. And I do want to share kind of the context part of the quote and then also what she says that I thought was really great. But this is Nikki asking Corvinder what she thought of the stories. And, and Corvinder says, I rescued you from a burning building. I liked them that much. And <laughs> I thought that was really great. And then they go on, the, the passage goes on, and this is from Corvinder's perspective. And it says, Nikki had Maya's unfettered laugh. Don't show your teeth, Corvinder would snap at her teenage daughter. Men will think you're inviting them to have fun. She had inherited the warning from her own mother. Now she laughed along with Nikki, and hearing their notes of joy ringing out in unison brought on a wonderful relief. And I think what I absolutely loved about that, and I think there are several points that we see this in the story, is that while there are so many ways that this is a book of uplifting women and empowering women, I think that Jaswal also speaks to the way that both purposefully and through inaction, the women are sometimes complicit in continuing the very things that have oppressed them. And I think I see that in my own world and in raising my own daughters. And I think that we see that in this story. And so what I absolutely loved about that passage is just how Corvinder can see in herself the ways that she was and that she is now striving to 
be freer and to do better. And that through that, she's freeing herself, but also the next generation. I just thought all that was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that too. Yeah. And I agree. Just that look at the history and at that generational complicity and then the decision to move away from that and to understand how hard that is, that it's not just, well, we need to be better because that it's one of those things that I think sometimes books make seem easier than it actually is. Right. Sarah, what's a quotation you'd like to discuss? My quotation is this. It will be easier to be a criminal fairly prosecuted by the law than an Indian daughter who wronged her family. A crime would be punishable by a jail sentence of definite duration rather than this uncertain length of family guilt trips. And I think why that stood out to me is that I just felt like this book really represented the pressure that is put on women and culture overall, but especially in Indian culture and in particular Punjabi culture. I felt like like Nikki's character and then her sister, Mindy, and then the whole storyline with Maya. I felt like that really showed the kind of pressure in terms of career choice and getting in like the expectation that women get married. And then after they're married, then it's you know, when are you going to have children? And that that's the whole goal. And I just thought that that all was really learning about the culture in that way was really interesting and also really inspiring to see these women who are trying to become more than that. And I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that very much too. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to kind of connect to mine as well. So I just have all these segues going on today, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead and share your quote, Jen. (laughs) So mine is, so let me set this up a little bit. So one of the things that stories that transcends the book is that Nikki is really struggling because when her father died, he was very upset with her. She had dropped out of law school and had decided that the career that he envisioned for her was not going to be the career that she pursued. And she doesn't know what she's replacing it with. And so her father is really disappointed. Her mother is really disappointed. And Nikki is so upset because her parents had traveled to India in the midst of this conflict and her dad died while they were in India. So she never got to find any resolution. And she's always asked her mom about things that he had said right before her died, but her mother is reluctant to talk about them. And so when her mother is relaying a conversation to Nikki that Nikki's dad was having with his brother and the brother is sort of bragging about his daughter and how great the schools are and that they're making sure the daughter will be successful. And Nikki's dad said, my daughters were taught to make their own choices about success. And then Nikki says, dad said that mom nodded. I think he surprised himself. Your dad has never been the type to return to the motherland to brag about his successes abroad, but something changed that day. Out of all the opportunities Britain offered us, choice was the most important thing. He just didn't fully realize it until he had to say it aloud to your uncle. And so I think all three of our quotations actually relate to this one, because I think we see the pressure to define success in a particular way. And then the growth that you can hold on to some amazing things from your community and from your heritage, but that you can also make choices 
to be independent of some of those things. And that if they are unnecessarily restrictive, that it's okay to have a choice and to define success differently, that it doesn't always have to mean marriage or a particular career. I really love that. That was really moving for me. I thought the relationship that doesn't ever appear in the book, we never see Nikki and her dad together, but that relationship I just think is beautiful even in its absence. Yeah, I loved that part too. And how we saw the surprise for him and for her mom to realize that their values had changed and they hadn't even realized it. I think it's really remarkable. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful story. All right, well, we each want to offer a pairing so that if you liked this book, you would have something else to go to. Sarah, what book are you pairing with this one? So my pairing is one that we've actually discussed way back when, but it's um, Kevin Kwan's Crazy Rich Asians. And I think the main connection I see with this book and Crazy Rich Asians is that there is a theme of like these expectations of children and marrying correctly and and marrying people of the same class and the same social stature. And I thought that I saw that in Crazy Rich Asians and I you could see that in erotic stories for Punjabi women about how those expectations really impact adult children with the pressures being applied to and how it ultimately plays out in their lives. So if you liked that part of erotic stories, then you would like Crazy Rich Asians because it has a lot of those same family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great pairing. Mm-hmm. Ashley, how about you? What's your pairing? So there were several that came to mind for me, but one that I chose, I chose because of the connection to writing and the importance of writing and personal expression as a way to grow and to recognize who you are. And I think we really see that with the widows here as a community, they bond together through their writing and also individually they empower themselves through their writing and then they empower others. So we see the readers around their community who are reading these scandalous stories being empowered and I mean invigorated by the storytelling. So I thought all that was really rich and in this book. And so because of that, I chose Elizabeth Acevedo's The Poet X. This one is very different. It is young adult and it is not at all about eroticism (laughs) 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 or even, you know, adult relationships like marriage, death of a spouse. I mean, we don't, you don't see any of that here because she is a teenager. I think what we see in this story is that Ziamara, for one thing, she has a lot of conflict with her mom because she, in a lot of ways, is, I mean, she's the child of an immigrant. And so there is similarly, even though it's different cultures that are being examined, you're still seeing the way that the child of the immigrant is exposed to a different culture early on and then the immigrant parent who is already a fully formed adult of course is holding on to a lot of their cultural heritage and so sometimes those things clash so that's explored really well in this story and so that's a strong connection but then the other part is that ziamara is a writer and she gets into a poetry class and becomes a slam poet. And that process of her learning to share her writing, so to write 
for the sake of writing, but also to be able to share it with others. And then seeing the impact of that on other people, I felt like that part, that thread is very similar to the way that these stories empower the writers, the community of writers, and also the larger community of readers. So I think that that makes it work together. And it is a great book. So I think um, in a very fast and compelling read. And so I think it's a lot of fun for that reason too. So again, that's Elizabeth Acevedo's The Poet X. Yeah, I love that focus on writing in both books. I was trying to think of other books that do that. So if anyone out there listening has a suggestion, I know there are books I've read that do that, but I cannot put my finger on any specific titles other than that one. Yeah. I love that writing connection too. What about you, Jen? What's your pick? So we were talking about this before we started recording, and uh, this is a little on the nose, but I wanted to pick Sanjay Manon's When Dumple Met Rishi. And so the book, Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows, actually opens on a conflict between Nikki and her sister, Mindy, because Mindy has decided that she is ready to settle down. She's ready to get married. And so she is going to seek an arranged marriage. And Nikki does not at all respect that choice. She is very upset with her sister's decision to do that. She doesn't get it at all. She celebrates having options and dating around and not feeling pressured to get married right away. And I think I talked about nuance earlier. And I think that's one thing that Jezwal does really well is she presents those two options with such nuance, despite the fact that we see the story through Nikki's point of view. Eventually, Nikki doesn't want to do it herself, but she comes to understand why Mindy is making that decision for herself. And when Dimple met Rishi, I thought did a similar thing very well. So again, this is a YA book. So it is not erotic. And I do think <laughs> it it is quite, quite different in its focus. But Dimple and Rishi are both, they have graduated from high school at the beginning of the book. And Dimple's parents are ready to have her be engaged. They're, they support her going to college, but they want her future sort of assured. And Dimple is very resistant to the idea of an arranged marriage. Rishi, by contrast, is eager to have an arranged marriage. He is the older son. He feels as if it is his responsibility to uphold that cultural practice. And that conflict between the two, I think, is presented in a similarly nuanced way where you begin with two characters who do not at all understand the other's inclinations. And eventually through the book, that that conflict is explored really thoughtfully. So I think Sanya Manon's When Dumplement Rishi, despite all of its differences from this book, it's also about characters who have immigrated, their parents have immigrated from India. So you get that same sort of conflict between the second generation and their parents. And that treatment of arranged marriage, I think is quite similar. Yes, I love that about the about both of these books. I think that both of these books explore those two different perspectives so well and in a way that I just had never really considered before. And I love thinking about that. And yeah. All right. Well, we are going to end with our bookish hearts. Ashley, how many bookish hearts do you give this one? I loved this one. I would go with four bookish hearts. Okay. Sarah? Yeah, I think I agree. Four bookish hearts for me. Yeah, I did the same. I really loved it. I, I did think there were parts that I wish were a little longer, a little more developed maybe. So yeah, I, I didn't quite get to five for me, but I really loved it. And I would okay. definitely recommend it to readers. 
Same. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to end today with our give me one. And today's topic is favorite summer drink. Sarah, what's your favorite summer drink? My favorite su- summer drink is a lemon drop martini, but it make it made with vodka instead of gin. Ashley? I don't drink these very often anymore, but gin and tonic is still my favorite for summer, and I especially love it with fresh squeezed lime. What about you, Jen? So I am not huge on mixed drinks, so a lot of times my summer drinks are the same as my winter drinks, but I do love my favorite mixed drink is a margarita. And I think those are great outside on the deck with some great food and a margarita. That's just that perfect amount of tart. I I love that. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening again. Just a reminder that every month we will have a book club chat. And if you would like to join that for next month, you can check out our announcements at unabridged pod. And also while you're there, look at the other things we're doing to build a bookish community on Instagram. We'd love to know your thoughts about erotic stories for Punjabi widows. So you can share those on social media or on our website, unabridgedpod.com. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 